I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal conference. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time getting right into it. We'll recap the Iowa State game and look ahead to a monster, monster game between Texas and Oklahoma State. We'll do that all on this week's edition of the show. Before we get into the proceedings, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation and supporting everything we've been doing for the last decade here on the Longhorn Blitz podcast. A couple of ways to reach us. We're on Twitter at Longhorn underscore blitz you can email the show longhornblitzpod at gmail.com if you want to reach out you can get this show each and every week anywhere you get your podcasts search horns 24 7 that's horns 247 no dashes no slashes no spaces click that follow button get every episode of the blitz when it drops on tuesdays and don't forget to leave us a five-star review and get over to horns 24 7 the latest and greatest in longhorn team news notes and nuggets the best recruiting coverage in the texas market with mike roach and hudson standish is all available for you at horns 24 7 Com. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Not too shabby. I'm going to be honest. It is colder than a witch's you-know-what mm-hmm. in here today, so oh, yeah. we are having to power no. through. So <laughs> I don't know why, but it is just one of those days. A man, cold or hot, rain or shine, whatever the weather is, he's always rocking and ready to go. He's a renaissance man. He can talk about a number of topics. He wears numerous hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7 each and every weekday with Mike Harge. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. I appreciate the intro as always, brother. And Rod always is always fantastic. One of the things I love about Rod, one of the many things I love about my friend Rod Babers, he's a man of the people. And when I'm listening to the pregame show, because Rod and I do, I do a little pregame hit with Rod and Mike oh, yeah. Arge and Aaron Hogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I love when I'm listening to the pregame show and they're coming back from break, and I just hear Harge and E. Hogan. I'm like, oh, Rod's chopping it up with the people. I'm like, he's, yeah, he's, he's hanging somebody. out, and, and mostly Blitz fans. 
I get mostly Blitz fans. I, I swear to you. Awesome. On my yeah, walk to the it. stadium, I get stopped by people. I get more compliments. I do a show with we Craig Way. Blitz, I've got a site that's been going since 2010. I get more compliments on the Blitz than anything people love else. The Blitz. They do. I get people that come from out of town, from Washington, D.C., and they're like, oh, man, if it wasn't for the Blitz, man. We, I, I'd be lost. And I'm like, hey, man, I appreciate it. Appreciate no, we, it, so. we appreciate the support. Yeah, we love like the said. love. Uh, Rod, love is the the, Rod is the guest that never left, and we've been doing it for, for a decade now. Yeah. So, uh, times were good, man. It, it was a, a, a gritty win, as Steve Sarkeesian called mm-hmm. it, against Iowa State. But, you know, I think all of us, all the three of us, we're John Haycock fans. We love what he's done with that three-high safety defense and yeah. just how efficient they are with it, how tough it is to run the football against them. And, Rod, I know there's good and bad to talk about with this game, but, guys, that's where I want to start. And, Matt, Rod, whichever one of y'all wants to take it, I just think the fact that Texas, 191 yards, that's the most – I think that's the second – third most, third most rushing yards anybody's had on Iowa State since the start of the 2021 season. As a matter Mm. of fact, if Quinn Ewers doesn't – if that's not a backward pass, if that's a forward pass, the (laughs) one where he tried to ground it in front of Jatavian Sanders, (laughs) and we'll get to to Quinn Ewers – if that's not a 13-yard loss, Texas would have only the 10th 200-yard rushing game against Iowa State since John Haycock made the scheme change in 2017. That's okay. how good the Longhorns were running the football. Bijan Robinson with 135. You've got to go back 27 games to find the last time a single back had that many rushing yards on Iowa State. Chuba Hubbard did it back mm. in back in the middle of the 2020 season. Good job. So Nice research. Text and, and Matt, I know we looked at the per carry numbers. Uh, actually, I don't have that in front of me right now. I got it, though. Um, but Texas, you look at – it was the yards per carry before con- contact will tell you. 1.2. Wasn't mm. easy running the football against Iowa State. We didn't expect it to be. But the yards after contact. 3.2. That tells you that when the game – when it was in crunch time, C. Sarkeesian just put the ball in the hands of his running backs, and Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson carried that team across the finish line. Yeah, I mean, he didn't just put some Bijan on it; he slathered that thing <laughs> in Bijan. I mean, it was, and, and I, it was smart by him, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Sark has he has had some difficulty versus the three high, three down defense. I still think that his average points in the last two games versus teams that major and minor in it is like twenty four points per game. Yeah, mm-hmm. when she scored twenty four points, right? And right by around the way, there. you'll see it again. Saturday. Yeah, you're going to say, hell, if I was playing them, I'd just throw it in for the week. Even if you don't, you, yeah. you just might as well just throw it in there, man. You're it's worth it. it. Yeah, exactly. It's worth it for you. But uh, I, I think Sark did a, a, a smart – it was a smart move by him because initially, and we'll get into it, Quinn didn't really have his best stuff. It wasn't his worst stuff, but he had his best stuff. Uh, and there was some inconsistency in the passing game, which we'll get to. So I think Sark, who oftentimes gets a little anxious – Early on, when he his offense doesn't conjure up or create that big play, yeah, I think he's settled back to like I always my motto for twenty twenty two: put some Bijan on it. If mm-hmm. your quarterback having a down day, O line can't block, wide receivers can't catch. Hey, they're stopping your running game. Doesn't matter. You're going against three high, three down, and you've had some difficulty. Whatever the issue, the answer to the question you got it's an open book test, and you got all the answers to the test because ultimately. Every answer is find a way to get to Bijan. My favorite play is not any of the Bijan runs, actually. Oh, yes. It's when they went empty formation and they put him in the slot and they just ran him right down and he's ran mm-hmm. kind of skinny post. That was my favorite Bijan moment of the game. And he made a beautiful catch. It was a kind of a one handed catch if you really, really look at it. That was my favorite part of him, you know, kind of just force feeding the football to Bijan. But that last, in that fourth quarter, I mean, and it was unbelievable what he decided to do. Basically, over you go look at Bijan Robinson's rushes in that fourth quarter. 
He had 135 rushing yards, right? 50, what, four of those came in the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. Rojo had 71 rushing yards, 39 of those, I believe, came in the fourth quarter. So he decided, you know what, if I'm going to go down, because they were down at one point, right? They were yeah. down with 21-17 at one point in this game. They were down a couple of times. I believe he, he decided, you know, if I'm going down, I'm going down with my best player, and I'm going down with my leader. If I'm going to let my leader, my best leader, which is Rojo, and my best player close out the game. And if I'm going down, I'm going down with those guys. And if we lose, just giving it to those guys, well, hell, man, you know what? That's the way I got that, That's the way I'm down to go out. Uh-huh. And I, I believe that was his, his, his basically his motto toward the end of the game, if you his mantra. Out, yeah, sorry, Rod. If you take out the two kneel downs as a team, they were 12 for 66 running the ball in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's damn good. And against that defense, that even shows your yards per carry going up in the most crucial times against a team that you really did need Bijan to carry that load. I'll bring up just since you brought up the slot, and I agree with you fully, Rod. That was my favorite thing to see. And, I mean, ever since Jess started talking about Bijan in the slot when he was like a senior or a junior in high school and how he could run that Duvernay role, I've always been excited. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Texas receivers in the slot thus far this year, Bijan's averaging 20 yards per reception. He has ran five routes out of the slot, got 60 yards on three receptions. He's 12 yards per route run with an A dot of 18.7 yards downfield, which is crazy. And the second best player out of the slot for Texas this year, Keelan Robinson, has had six receptions on six targets for 68 yards and a TD. He's getting 4.25 yards per route run, so... Quick math, that's uh, about 14 routes he's ran and got 68 yards, which is insanely impressive, but even a higher NFL passer rating in those scenarios of 153.5 to Bijan's 118.8. And it, not as if Jatavian or Jordan Whittington aren't very, very productive as well, yeah. but when you get those mismatches and you can go empty, we see these different sit scenarios when we bring up like 32 at times whenever you have that type of personnel on the field and just the different ways of finding to throw the ball to these guys and get the mismatches that you want and you put them in the slot and they've been so productive. It's been so much fun to see that. Uh, You know, I talked about the number of intended touches for Bijan. Probably the rest of the way needed to be 25 plus Mm -hmm. in that range. 32 against Iowa State. Wow. 32, uh, 171 yards, 5.9 yards per intended Hmm. touch. That means every time you target him in the passing game, or you hand him the football, you're getting about six yards a pop. Uh, now again, that's pretty good against his defense. We, we talked about the nature of the three high, the way it's structured. And I, I, I think Sark tried to test it a little bit on the ground because, man, you try to run wide zone against this defense, man, it's not going to work. Because that's naturally what they want to do with that tight front. They want to spill, spill, the spill the ball to the alleys and yeah. then let the safeties come down yep. and take care of the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to run the football effectively – not even necessarily running it right at them. You've got to create angles up front and wherever the angles are, man, you've got to hit it downhill. You've got to hit it hard. If you're back, you got to stick a foot in the ground and get vertical. And we saw that. That's why I thought Roshan Johnson was huge in this game because that's the kind of runner he is. He is a stick a foot in the ground, get vertical kind of guy. But even Bijan can do it. Rod, he it, can't do it running back. It, it's yeah. it's just a, it's amazing to see him when he does get vertical and then the it's just so effortless, the natural running instincts when they mm-hmm. take over. You see the stiff arms. You see the spin moves. You see the jump cuts. And, it, again, it's just so effortless because it's, he's just he's staying vertical the whole time and doing that. I don't know, man. It, the, every week he does something that yeah. just makes you – 
kind of say, damn, I haven't seen that before. Yeah, or it's no, been a while I since mean, I've seen that. He's special in so many ways. Um, and and what you said initially about when he came in that he could play slot receiver this year, we're starting to see it more yeah. and more. Yeah, you really just are. Think about downfield. He's got great hands. Sorry, man. I didn't yeah. mean to jump in there, but just to point it out, think of the improbable catches. He's every game he's made one or two improbable catches where you see him pirouetting against Oklahoma or the yep. one hand left handed one that he caught this game or the slant that you, we were talking about mm-hmm. a second ago. And even in previous games, and it's, you know, he even brings up how he took it as a personal insult when him and Jay Witt did when coach said that JT had the best hands. Just, and Bijan, like, we think of NFL tape and what he's putting out there for teams to see like he's only caught 16 passes this season mm-hmm. and i just listed out four improbable ones right there yeah uh and if you remember during the game i love because he's a humble guy that's what i love about Bijan. Mm-hmm. um but during the game and it's still tight it's like the first drive of the second half he gets the ball i think he gets like an eight yard run and afterwards, he does the, the Zeke kind of feed me gesture. Yeah. Uh, and he does it just real quick. He doesn't try to, he's not Zeke. He doesn't exaggerate the thing. Um, but for for him to do that, like at that moment in the game, like games are tight. Like Bijan's mm-hmm. not that kind of guy. He's not going to give you the first down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's, celebration. He's, he's a ball. pretty humble dude, right? So I think, I honestly, I don't maybe that was a message to Sark. Or maybe Sark told him in the locker room, like kind of major Applewhite told Mark, he's good one that day before the, the bowl game. Like, hey, man. I hope you took some Red Bull because it's, it's going to be your day, all day, yeah. every day. And I think he told me in that second half, like, Bijan, we're riding you. I need you. And that was the most touches he's had all season. Yeah, I know Roshan said before the last drive, because that 11-play touchdown drive, those two touched the ball every play except the touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. That was the only play where they didn't touch it. Yep. And to Sh- Roshan said to Shard Choice, went up to Roshan and to the kind of the running back group, Bijan was there. He's like, if we don't win this game, it's going to be because of y'all. There you go. And which I, which they I, accepted the challenge. Which makes, makes me think that Stella Sark's uh, basically halftime adjustment or attitude adjustment more than anything because I don't even know if it was a schematic adjustment. There were some schematic things that they did, but for most of the – I think for for the most part, it was an attitude adjustment. They, yeah. wanted, to, they, they wanted to impose their will on Iowa State, um, and they didn't want to have to win it with a kind of a, a schematic advantage. They kind of went back to – Hey man, we're gonna play bully ball. Yeah, it we was. Believe, kind of, we can we can push you around. It was just you know against Iowa State, the best defense in the Big Twelve. That is a statement. Yeah, of sorts. Yeah, it wasn't. I wouldn't describe it as meathead football because meathead football is when you're just pounding your head against the wall, no. trying to oh we're gonna run the ball. Run that the was ball. their no. most successful drive, arguably of the game, running the ball. Yeah, but they <laughs> did it. They did <laughs> it. Closing it out. They did it. It was it was smart the way they did it. Like I said, it was creating angles. It was the backs understanding. Okay, this is where you've got to hit it. It's got to be here. And it's got to be downhill. So I, I just, and again, they, you know, it wasn't like, okay, we're going to try to run wide zone to see if we can hit it. No, that would have been, you'd have been living in third and long all day, and we'll get to third and long on the other side of the ball, which was not very pretty. But uh, the passing game, Rod, it just seemed like it was off. I mean, even when some of the stuff that clicked, like I go to that, uh, it was a drive in the first quarter after the missed field goal. They get it in good field position. Mm-hmm. They get a chunk play to Xavier Worthy. They get a chunk play to Jordan Whittington. But on the chunk play to Jordan Whittington, there's a holding penalty. And then you've got oh, I do Quinn yeah. throwing the ball into the ground. And it's a backward pass. You got the Casey Kane drop, the missed deep shot on fourth and two. It just seemed like, it seemed off. I wouldn't say it was bad. The passing yeah. game was just off. It was. And I, I think Sark, it, I'll give him credit. Feel of the game, right? I've criticized his feel of the game. That was a good feel of the game where he understood Quinn's a little off. He could still make throws that I need him to make. But. 
I don't know if I want to run this game plan or build this game plan rather around around the passing game and around yeah. Quinn right now, especially against just three high, three down that I have struggled with at times, and I know he hadn't seen a lot of it. And then also, like you said, the passing game was just off. Everybody could feel it. Everybody in the stadium, everybody watching could feel it. Yeah. Um, and I think it was probably more, if you will, the the biggest examples of it will uh, exemplified in Casey Kane's lack of connection and chemistry with Quinn Ewers. Ooh. And they yeah. just could All when games. he was open, Quinn couldn't hit him. And then when Quinn hit him around the money, he couldn't catch it. They just could not me and my wife have days like that. Like you just <laughs> we are not on the same page. I will talk to you later on. You know yeah. what I mean? We'll figure it out later. Uh we all know Casey Kane's a good player. That 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 obviously that play is not an indictment on his skill set or him as a player. And we know Quinn's a hell of a player. So he just started but Quinn was off. So I I'll give him credit. Feel of the game. He decided Man, Rojo and Bijan, my best player and my best leader, they're the focus of the running game. I'm just going to ride them. Uh-huh. And if I lose riding those guys, hell, my passing game was off. Yeah, You know what I mean? It was off, obviously, and they stopped us running the football. You know, they give him credit for being a better team. He did. He he actually he, he did, I think, and I'll go back and track it. I, I think I did see a lot less pre-snap motion in the second half. There were some cheat codes that he decided to strip from the offense, but in favor of – the bully ball yeah. in favor of just being able to have the right alignment and be able to run it down Iowa State's throat, which is a risk in itself because that's the best defense in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. And to that point, I pulled the numbers for Rojo and Bijan across the board, not only for the season, but also for this specific game because Iowa State's such a good rushing defense. Mm-hmm. And just now after that game for the season, some of these numbers are crazy. If you're going yards after contact per rush, Rojo's up to 4.3. Bijan's at 4.1. This tackles force. We've all seen, you know, Bijan in total quantity. He leads the country with 56 on 137 rushes, which is 0.41 missed tackles force per rush, which is one every two and a half carries. It's crazy to see a number like that. The thing is, is Rojo has 30 on 57, 0.53, which is crazy that he's averaging almost every other, more than every other run he's making somebody miss. But you would think those numbers would go down against Iowa State, and it would actually be worse. Well, it sort of was for Bijan, but not for Rojo, and that's why we see Rojo coming in and the money downs, even when it was late in the game whenever Mm -hmm. you had Bijan playing well. But then third and short, they're bringing in Rojo. Rojo against Iowa State, 4.45 yards uh, after contact. It was seven missed tackles forced on 11 rushes, which is just insane. You had seven for Bijan on 28 rushes, and Bijan was still at 3.29 per rush after contact, which is very good. But to see Rojo do that, and it's like Jeff said, you know, this running style all season, we've seen more of your gap scheme runs in a percentage-wise for Rojo. He's still more a little bit below 40% around there. But, you know, you look at Bijan, say, against Iowa State, it was 20 zone, 8 gap. Look at Rojo. It's six to four. He's that guy that is always nearing that 40-50%, getting closer to that on the year than compared to, you know, Bijan. And we know Bijan's style and why he fits more of that zone read run. It's funny, you know, Rod, you talked about Bijan earlier. Like he could he he's at that Adrian Peterson point for me where I remember having debates like, well, if Adrian Peterson was in this offense, or if he was in this offense, I'm like, doesn't matter what offense he's in, just give him the damn ball and figure it out. Like yep. he's 
talented enough to make whatever your blocking scheme is, whatever mm-hmm. your your the pillars of your run game are, he's good enough to make it work. It doesn't really matter. Like Bijan's at that point. But yeah, again, Matt, to your point, I just like the fact that Roshan uh not gonna mess around. He's not good when he's trying to go laterally. It's just boom, stick a foot in the ground and get downhill. Yeah, what I noticed just looking at my my notes, it it does seem that Iowa State for some reason, they had trouble in the second half with that 6-0 line package, the Big 12 package. Mm-hmm. I talk about, right, with Andre Carrick out there or the, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the jumbo uh, t- uh, 12 package. But it's, you go look at the runs in the second half. They allowed a Rojo run, 6 yards, 13-yard uh, Rojo run. Rojo runs yeah. in that in that Big 12 package. <laughs> Just like you guys are talking about, Rojo run, 15 yards, uh, there's a four-yard run. There's a Bijan four-yard run. Like they had issues. Five-yard rush by Bijan. It's like they had issues with that six-zero line package late in the game. And one of the only kind of kind of schematical cheat codes that that Sark threw out there during that 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 game-winning drive, if you will, uh, where they ran the ball with seventy-three of the what seventy-two of the seventy-five yards, someone whatever that was, mm-hmm. right? Something on that seventy-five-yard drive. Seventy-two of the seventy-five. Yeah. Yep, because they had the fourteen-three. Um, it, he had a like an unbalanced four by you know four by zero set basically where they put all of the eligible wide receivers on one side of the yeah. formation and actually ran weak side. Yeah, uh, uh, doing that I think once or twice. Um, then ran strong side doing it a couple times, but they they did that with the six zero line package. So he threw some funky stuff in there, kind of get those angles that Jeff was talking about in the run game and try to really throw off the kind of weak side, strong side adjustments of a team like Iowa State. Little note on that that I remember. I remember back to whenever Texas had DeJay Johnson, and DeJay was a guy that. It seemed at the time they really liked to give him those weak side runs just because it's a shorter edge to the corner. So you can get there, and with a guy like Bijan, his ability to get to that edge, it, it, yeah. defenses become vulnerable when you can get to that corner it's that Rojo, quick. It's Rojo, that fifth, I believe, it's either that 13-yard run or that 15-yard run. I, I, it's one of those runs. that they, That's that unbalanced set they used. Uh, but either way, I mean, like I said, they stripped it down pretty much. He just decided we're going to run it down Iowa State's yep. throat because we can. Yep. Uh, what you guys think about the taking the deep shot to Casey Kane on fourth and short? I didn't like it. Even you know, it's one of those deals. If they hit it, maybe you feel different. I didn't like it in that situation. Um, like I said, I the reason I like it is because what I know of Sark, just psychoanalyzing him as a play caller, he needs that big play early. He needs it. If he doesn't get it. He's going to get anxious, and he's going to get a little frustrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually he's going to just strip the offense down and kind of revert back to, hell, just put some Bijan on it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I want so – I, I, I root for Sark to get that big play early because it's, almost, it's crazy. It almost feeds his play-calling ego. Um, it's like if, if his opening script doesn't work well and he doesn't get that big play early and usually they go hand-in-hand – he gets a little bit more conservative, and I guess he starts to think, man, maybe that stuff is not going to work. But right. when he has that success early with the opening script, he starts mm-hmm. to, I, I believe he kind of gets more in the groove. At least lately he is. I know last year, bigger issue. Yeah. Right, we're not talking about last year. I'm talking about this year, right? right? Uh, so I think he kind of feeds his play-calling ego. But when he doesn't get that big play early, he becomes almost, uh, it's almost a play-calling insecurity. Yeah. Um, well, it makes with you the way he calls it. And, and the insecurity is like, you know what? I'm just going to give it to Bijan. Bijan, take it. Take me home. 
All right. Which is, hey, hey, I'm cool with that. No problem with that at all. But that's what I that's why I think he's like, nah, nah, I got I got to take a shot. I need I need it. I need it. And it was open. And that's the main Wayne thing about that. Yeah. Yeah, being open. open. I think that. It. Yeah, I like the call just because of if you get the matchup you want. Because I think that's one where if you don't get that, because you know they play, you know they play man on fourth down like that, yep. on fourth and short. You know that. Yep. You know that's why you did it down there on the goal line. Uh-huh. By the way, that that DB just. He's just terrible. Well, I mean, worthy. They, they doubled him. They had, a, they had one guy had the inside cut, and I got, I got outside cut. So it, went, it was a sharp route, but dude, come on, man. Agreed. No, Literally, I agree. There's no need for you to to, to, you to break on the end cut. You got to yeah. slow play the end cut because you got a guy that is guarding the end cut. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Why are you breaking on the end? What are you gonna go do? He almost ran into him. Dude, what are you do? Like, coach, you gotta be. Cause, listen, I'm sorry, guys. I look at football as someone who dissects it. You know what I mean? I, like, agree I, with I, you. I have to deconstruct it, and I just look at it as a football coach. You gotta be losing your damn minds, like, dude. I called the perfect play. No, I less. had him double. I knew they were gonna do that because they did it to us earlier, and now this is what happens. Yeah, yeah that's one Come where on, the corners got to know. But it was a great route. It was like Allen Iverson's crossover. It was a beautiful route yeah, by it was him. Sharp. But it was a really good play call defensively and they just didn't execute it but that's hey that's the key to the drill yeah and that's why you go to your big money guys <laughs> in those situations and yeah. you know seeing x like he sold that slant on the cut and his exactly. quickness his quickness coming out of that looked like a tyree kill type quickness like they just and the perfect throw. accelerate so fast perfect yeah throw. perfect throw i mean in, back- in a clutch moment you got a perfect throw for your quarterback who had been struggling earlier to me that's one of those moments where Sark, no, no, this guy can make he can make all the throws. Trust me, he's just having an off day. He's human, uh, but the the fact that he put that ball on the money just shows that he's got he can persevere. He's got resilience yep. in his DNA. And on yeah. the Kane play, I think in that one, I liked it just because I think they got the look that they want. Like you said, the man on the outside, and I think they also saw on film that. The Iowa State's not going to respect basically your worst skill guy on the field, and that's why we saw Kane open many times. And that's, you see that a lot of the time. The other one re-watch. where Casey Kane was bumped and rerouted, fell, fell to the ground. That's the one he looks like he overthrows a lot. But honestly, I think he expected Kane to be there. Yeah. He didn't expect him to get rerouted to the point where he was he ends up on the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and I mean, that's, and yeah. after that happened, whenever he got up, I just had a feeling that. We might not see Kane for the rest of the game, and then the drop happened after that, which oh, was a bummer. It was that, such a. Oh. But overall, I still like. I think there was a reason why he was that wide open, and no, that's right. sort of why they yeah. wanted to go to. Him. I agree with you on I'm that. Just, I'm just. More, I agree with you on that. I'm not Sark clearly, but I'm just more of a get the first down. Then if you want to tempo him and take a shot, go for it. He probably has, should have had another option there, but I think yeah, I'm with you. I'll disagree with that. So. It's yeah. just we're splitting hairs yeah, at yeah. this point. Um, but that's pretty much it with the offense. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory what happened in that game. Uh, defensively, Rod, I just love the way – I feel like seven games in, I can confidently say at this point, there's nobody that's going to just line up and just pound the ball right at Texas. No. They're too good on the interior defensively to be able to do that. Yeah, you I mean, got Matt it. and I were talking too about deep. it. Yeah, Matt and I were talking about it before. I mean, you hold I, they had Iowa State. I think it, they were one point two. Iowa State was one point three yards per carry before contact. Yep, and one point three after. And one point three, yeah. So, I mean, you're you're really hard to run against. That's the third time you've held somebody under a hundred yards this year. And don't laugh at that. That only happened once last year. Come on now. And that was in the opener against Louisiana. Speak on it. Game two to game twelve, you gave up at least a hundred yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some games where it was a lot more than that. But man, this, this one year turnaround. I mean, I, I went back and looked at the numbers. You know, right now, Texas is the best run defense in the Big Twelve, uh, giving up yards per carry, three point two eight. 
They were at 5.15 last year, second worst in school history. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to Moro Ojimo about this after the game, and he said he was actually talking to Jalen Ford. He credits Bo Davis a lot with it in terms of the freedom they have to basically stunt and move around and fit the run the way they see fit, basically putting it in the hands of the players to fit the run the right way. And guys kind of understand it, but it's forced them to be students of the game, to understand keys, understand where you're going. For Jalen Ford, it's putting a guy in the right alignment. I mean, it's they've really turned his defense right over to the players in the defensive front, and it's working. Yeah, so we talked to Roy Miller um, last week, and he said, yeah, they're just essentially allowing the guys to, uh, you know, play with, a, like you said, a lot more freedom, and they, they're able to kind of stop the run on their way to the quarterback. Yeah, right? it's it's a different mentality as it was to like, all right, we're we're stopping, we're gonna run fit. It's like, no, 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 we're gonna reset the line of scrimmage. We're gonna penetrate, and in the process, we will stop the run. But hell, our 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 real point, our real mission is to reset the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And I think last year it was like, oh, we're gonna run fit here. You gotta hit fit here and fit there. It's like, no, 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 just penetrate, disrupt. Yeah, and you know I, mean? I think there's more to, of that now. When you're doing it from the inside out, like we talked about the pass rush has been interior pass rush. Well, if you think about interior just dominance to be able to pass rush from the inside, that's also going to stop the run a lot of the times. Yeah. Just even if you don't expect there to be a run, if you're able to blast off the ball and get penetration up the middle, it just disrupts all types and of football. I think football. Keandre Coburn is a primary example. Yep. I mean, he's become a pass rusher all of a sudden. I know his skills had developed, give him a ton of credit. But I do believe some of the schemes before had him specifically fitting as a yeah. run defender. And mm-hmm. that was his primary objective. That was his primary responsibility. Now, it does seem like, no, no, no. It seems like, that. and I said, if I was a defensive coordinator, that'd be my mentality. No, no, no. Stop the run on your way to the quarterback, man. Yeah. We're in a passing era now. Stop your run on the way to the quarterback, which means always penetrate, always resetting the line of scrimmage constantly. Yeah, I think. Too for for defensive linemen especially, I think a lot of times when you try to play gap control, I think a lot of times it turns unless you just got, you know, Aaron Donald or somebody like yes. that. I think a lot of times it just turns into catching blocks and then not dancing the, bears as yeah, Buddy and then you're not resetting the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. You're actually losing ground and you're getting pushed into the to the laps of your linebackers, and then that's when you get one of the worst run defenses in school history. Yeah, just it, a lot of, uh, unleash those guys yeah. and let them loose, and that's exactly I think what they're doing right Natural now. Natural disruption. Yeah, like I said, chaos favors defense. Offense wants precision and timing and execution. Screw all that up. That's what you need to do. That's why you reroute the wide receivers. You penetrate through the line of scrimmage. Cause chaos and disruption. They hate it. <laughs> Rod, speaking of uh, chaos, it was chaos on the back end Saturday, especially yeah, especially on third down. Matt and I were talking about it. Matt, what were, what was the number you were giving me about Texas keeping uh, offenses off schedule? Money down. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Mm. Oh. Ba- yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, Texas is one of the best defenses in the country at getting teams to third down, keeping them off schedule, getting them in unfavorable down and distances on third down. Mm-hmm. Problem is, when you have a game like Saturday and the opponent is four for six on third and nine plus, that doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah, uh, I remember telling you guys, I know Longhorn fans get mad when I talk about this, but like I said, you got to look at me as a deconstructionist. Like I'm trying to deconstruct plays. That's how I look at it. I, I, can't see, I can't see it any way but as a football theorist. I told you guys that I would just run bunch formations versus Texas. I'd run a ton of them. I'd run them all day, every day. Yeah. All right? Because Texas is trying to reroute you, which is fine. You do a really good job of that, by the way, of rerouting guys. Uh, but you want to force them to read and react rather than reroute. 
And that's what you do with bunch formations. They have to back up. They have to play level so they don't get picked or rubbed. And it's exactly what they did. You go look at the third, the Thotos third and longs. You, mm-hmm. the, you said it was, uh, it was four of six, I four believe, six on, third on third and nine, nine plus. plus. Yep. Um, the first third and nine, the 11-yard gain, bunch formation, the tripod bunch. Uh-huh. Um, the third and 10, that was a bunch, the tripod bunch. They got a 14-yard gain to Xavier Hutchison. Uh, they had a third and 10 that they also, in the second half, that also was a conversion, and that one was kind of cool because Texas made an adjustment. They wanted to bump the basically the tip of the tripod there mm-hmm. and then play levels, closer levels on the back end, which was a great adjustment by them, but it was a brilliant adjustment by Iowa State who decided, are we going to put Xavier Hutchison on the single receiver side and then we're going to put our tripod bunch and trips on the other side and if you want to play man-to-man, you got to choose which side you're going to play man-to-man and who you're going to give help to. And Jaron Thompson, I believe on that one, chose the the trip side, and they just went to Xavier Hutchins on the other side. Yep, I know exactly right? what you're talking about. It, 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 and then they did it again, third and 13. They started out in the bunch trips, and then they actually went to a zone beater, motion to a zone beater smash concept, got 21 yards on that one. Basically, most of those conversions, they used the tripod bunch. And trust me, they're not listening to the Longhorn Blitz, so I didn't give them that. That's just watching football, folks. Mm-hmm. It just tells you yeah. if they're going to play bump and run, you get your guys a freer release and – basically force them to read and react rather than to reroute you. It's just simple mm-hmm. football. So that's what they that's what Matt Campbell did. And it was a brilliant strategy against Texas. That's how you get your guys open because Texas is really bad at read and reacting to those route concepts and route combinations as they happen. They'll be better because I think they're gonna work on it all week long. Yeah. At least they should. But I'm just saying I, I saw that one game in in the Big 12 play, I was like, oh, if I was Tech, I'd just run out of bunch for a match. Be like, Robbie, shut up, man. Like, no, I'm just telling you. You guys want to know what, what the reason they, they're radio, getting guy. third and longs against Texas? That's the reason they're getting a third and long yeah. against Texas. Like, that's it. Yep, and uh, those <laughs> numbers you wanted, Jeff, uh, looking at Texas's defense overall is up to second in the country on limiting the amount of first downs on first or second down. That's second in the country at 55.3%. Like, Comparatively, Oklahoma State is in the top 20 doing that on offense, but they're converting at a 73.7. Just to show how good Texas has been, the Okie State defense, they're 118th in the same stat, allowing it 73.9% mm. of the time. So that's, I mean, to have Texas be almost 20% fewer than that, really impressive. And then the other one was the Texas run defense. Yeah. Their success rate is sixth in the country, keeping teams on they're only on schedule 29.3% of the time when you're running the ball against Texas staying on schedule so that's looking good in 20th Texas is overall cuz against the pass Texas only 73rd in that stat and that's a lot up to what Rod's talking about yeah Rod it seemed like too I went back and looked at the PFF numbers it had Deshaun Jameson down for getting targeted 7 times in that game it didn't seem like that much because it really did seem like they just said, hey, whoever's opposite of Deshaun Jameson, whether it's Ryan Watts or they became Austin Jordan or Terrence Brooks, mm-hmm. whoever it was, yeah. we're just not even going to mess with Jameson. We'll just go pick on that other guy. Yeah, well, because it, also something I said after watching Ryan Watts, I believe it was that, man, was it the Tech game? Oh, or the you West said it after Virginia the UTSA game. game. I think right. I did say it after that game, yeah, because they picked on him a little bit too. And it's, yep. it's not Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts is more than adequate. He's doing a good job. He's doing a great job, actually. He's being asked to be do a ton over there. Yes. Yes, yeah, they 100%. they they want their boundary corner. They don't give their boundary corner any help, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, yeah. he's not in zero coverage, but essentially is in zero coverage, and they don't 
give him a ton of help. So if you, basically that's a 50-50 proposition for your offense. Just put your best guy over there, Xavier Hutchinson, and Texas is a little stubborn and bullish about Ryan Watts and his ability to, hey, just kind of cancel out a guy as that boundary corner. All right, and that's the case. I'm going there. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm going there all day. And they started out there. Even before Ryan Watts got hurt, they were three or three targeting him. They yeah. were going, they were going to the boundary. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. If they're not gonna give me any help, I'm gonna go there. That's just that's, like I said, it's just football logic. Half of least resistance. Exactly. Yep. Especially when you got a guy like Xavier Hutchins who might play on Sundays. So in addition to that, that's why Texas, when he goes down, the, com- the, the whole entire scheme becomes discombobulated because they don't have another guy that okay. can really do that. And then that's when Texas tries to adjust the scheme and then the scheme becomes vulnerable because they haven't really had that contingency plan. And this is yeah. something worth pointing out because I know a lot of our listeners probably play fantasy football and look at like cornerback matchups and stuff. But yeah. exactly what you're talking about right there, you have to basically be a certain level of good to even be asked to do such things like James exactly. Bradbury gets ragged on a lot because the Eagles, he's opposite Slay. Even years ago. Anthony Brown. Yep. And the exactly. And yeah. you had, uh, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, even years ago when in Detroit, Slay for a whole season was giving up a lot of yards and giving up a lot uh, of high passer rating. People are talking about how he's no good anymore, that James Bradbury is the worst DB or corner in the league. It's like, no, y'all don't get that. Like He's better than 75% of the guys that they don't even think are competent enough to do such a thing. We are going to leverage our defense on the idea that he's going to be asked to do something that many humans aren't able to do. And he may get beat some. He's being asked to do a lot, but it allows the integrity of our defense to be whole as a group. Yeah. Hell, Rod, you got asked to do that playing opposite of Quentin Jammer. Teams yeah, teams and I was the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> teams weren't going to test Quentin Jammer. Exactly, and I tested Quentin, so they're going to pick on Rod B, but then it allows you as a defensive coordinator to go, okay, I know exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. They're going to pick on my other guy, and now I can shift and allocate resources yeah. as where I need them. So that's why the Ryan Watts thing is important. He's doing a great job, like I said, but mm-hmm. it's, I, would, I would go at him. I mean, if you're going to put Quentin Johnson over there and leave him one-on-one with Quentin Johnson, oh. good luck. Yeah. I don't God. think Texas will do that. That's the go with God plan. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I don't think they'll do that. And I think Iowa State was like that with Xavier Hitch. like, you know what? They're going to do that. Yep. We're going over there. Yeah, and they just it, it was basically they just used the boundary side as a matchup. Like if you look at the, the, long, the long touchdown, yeah. they put Jalen Noel there because they know, look, Austin, I don't care who it is, they trust Jalen Noel's speed. That's the reason why Tariq Milton wasn't getting snaps at Iowa State last year because they just decided, you know what, Jalen Noel's better. Uh, yeah, he was nice. I love you talking about that uh, the RPO. Yeah, yeah. That he got him. That was that was a brilliant idea of presenting a power personnel package and pivoting to a pass principle. It was second and two, so it was a pat. It was a down that was like a run down. They they had I think their twelve personnel package out there, so it looked like run an offset wing. It looked like run, and they ran RPO, yeah. so it was run action. Everything said run, and everybody went for the run, the run fake, and then. Boom, brilliant over-the-top strategy. So it was yeah. bad play by the DB. Your, fresh, your freshman corner had no help on the inside. No help was, because Anthony Cook, was, I mean, he Thompson, hard. They were screaming down They him, went yeah. hard. For second and two, they yeah. figured, oh, State's not chunking it. Yeah, yeah, and those past principles off of the power formations, I've been just paying more attention to that in the NFL, and it was how the Giants came back on the Ravens. They went 32 personnel. I couldn't believe it. Did I saw it in the NFL. In the NFL, wow. three backs with two, and they threw out of it for one of their big plays late in that That's fourth quarter. Crazy. Yeah, I was like, Dable's stealing stuff from Sarge. Star- <laughs> yeah, like, I right. never see that before. You're <laughs> right, Rod. That On that series, first and ten, uh, Cartavius Norton had an eight-yard gain over the left side, and yeah. then it was second and two, and they got the touchdown. Uh, it, it, it was it, it was a nice one. It was it was just a brilliant setup because Texas everybody was there. The Texas had their forty personnel in. 
They went four three. <laughs> they went four down linemen and three linebackers out there. I know they consider Tuck kind of something else, but yeah. they they were really they were re- everybody was thinking run. So Rod, yeah. what's the what's the fix for the secondary? Yeah, Other than getting Ron obviously, Watts back. yeah, I was gonna say getting healthy is a big part of it. But the, the money downs is what freaks me out because I mean I went and looked at it because I'm concerned. Okay, so third and longs is starting to freak me out a little bit too with Texas. I know they've been great on third and longs. But third and longs and money downs and fourth downs. So I basically combined third and longs and fourth downs into one stat for the the Texas Iowa State game. When you go third and long, you're going nine plus, seven plus. I'm going seven plus. Seven plus, okay. All right. And they were eight of 15 on third and long, seven plus, or on fourth downs in a game, eight of 15. That's over obviously over 50%. And a lot of it, because Hunter Deckers, by the way, had his best game um, of his career, I believe. All right, Xavier Hutchison, highest graded football focus, pro football focus receiver for week seven, testing those linebackers over the middle. I they talked about this. And Jalen Ford is awesome. Like, this yeah. guy is a he, – Playmakers. He, he is, he's an elite run, run defender as a linebacker. And he – honestly, because he, he's better right now at linebacker than DeMar Viola's showing. I'm just going – I think we all know that. Nobody just wants to say oh, it. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. playing so well. He's, yeah, he's, I mean, they need to find a new thing, a new way to use DeMar Viola's showing because – I, sometimes he seems like he disappears. I didn't even know he was on the field half the time Saturday. Right? That's what I'm saying. So that I got, and he was rushing from the edge a lot of the time when he was. Yeah, they got to figure something out with that. But they're testing. See, since he's a great run defender, they're basically looking at his, and I've talked about this after the Tech game too, looking at the liability and the skill set. And, oh, by the way, all linebackers are bad at coverage for the most part. I mean, it's yeah. like, Two of those guys are in there, San Fran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, really, most of them are bad. Michael Parsons is probably pretty good at it, but yeah. most of them are yeah. bad. 85 to 90% of them are bad at coverage. And I think that's what they're picking on Texas at that second level. And that's essentially what uh, that's what they did. Hunter Deckers did too. I mean, he got him some big plays over the middle. If you're looking at zero to, basically looking at zero to 19 yards and in between the numbers. That is a soft spot of the set. Now, it's hard. That's, those are the toughest throws, by the way. So I think it may be intentional. Those are the toughest throws for quarterbacks to make. Yeah. But that is the honey spot if you're trying to take advantage of the passing game in Texas. And that's where I think a lot of the plays were made by Hunter Deckers in that passing game. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Hunter Deckers on in that. Uh, Zero that 19 ten, yards between the numbers. That mm-hmm. 10 to 19-yard range, Rod. Uh, six for six uh, for 93 yards. Yeah. Yep. And then you go look at the, like the even the short passes. I mean, he's very he, he was just very efficient there. That's where you're going to be efficient against Texas. And then you get some of your big plays potentially outside, like they I'm get. Sorry, I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at Xavier. that was Xavier Hutchinson's alone. Numbers on, okay, on but he lives in that area. He was 15. I, I have him 15 to 17 for 206 yards, one touchdown, one pick. The Jalen Ford pick from zero to 19 yards between the numbers for Hunter Deckers. Uh, yeah, right. So that's. And Hunter Deck, I said that I think he had three hundred twenty something. Give me your yards. give me your numbers again, Rod. Uh, fifteen of seventeen. Okay. Two hundred six yards. PFF's got him nineteen of twenty two for uh, two fifty eight. Two touchdowns, one pick from zero to nineteen yards. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. And if you talk about just still between the yeah. numbers, yeah. yeah, just between the numbers, ten to twenty yards. Eight for 10, 171. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. you're talking about like, 17 yards per attempt. Yeah, and, and think about it. I mean, like I said, you get your big play. You get consistency and rhythm in the passing game in between the numbers from zero to 19 yards or whatever right there or 10 to 20, as, as, as Matt said. But you get your big chunk plays potentially outside. I mean, they missed one with Xavier Hutchison on the outside. Well, he just dropped. Yeah. And that, 
I think it's hard to tell what coverage they were in, but I believe they were in a matchup zone, like a cover, a quarters coverage. Because yeah. if you look at it, um, and they ran Xavier Hudson was the number one receiver on the outside. That number two receiver to that side runs a deep out, mm-hmm. almost like a seven route. And the safety, I believe Cook on that side, and Deshaun Jameson bite on the out. That's a broken coverage there. You saw, I'm like, well, it can't be man coverage because if it was yeah. man coverage. He would have carried, carried, carried with Xavier Hudson down to the nine route. And that's where that's why Xavier Hudson ended up wide open because they both bite on that seven route, which makes me think, okay, maybe it was quarters coverage and Deshaun James thought, oh, he's coming into my quarter. Mm-hmm. My quarter's threatened. That's my guy. Or, and then Anthony Cook, usually matchup zone quarters, hey, once it's declared, this guy in my in my zone, I'm mm-hmm. matching up. He's my guy. Yeah. I'm going to care. I'm going to take this guy you no know, matter what zone he goes in. And I think that was the miscommunication why they both ended up taking the deep seven cut. And then Xavier Hutchinson was wide open. Because you'll see Jaron Thompson, he's still – he's coming from his quarter try to get over. That's why he looks that's why he's look he's so far behind. He's coming mm-hmm. from his quarter to see, oh, there's a wide open guy there. And if you'll look, I believe the cornerback is playing press man on the other side. And he's a single wide receiver. And that makes sense. Single wide receiver, you would play press man against with even within a zone, because why would you play zone? You'd probably yeah. Uh, shift that coverage and turn it into a man coverage on that side and turn Jaron Thompson essentially into kind of a free safety over the top. Let me ask you this. How in often, a matchup zone. Because I, I, if y'all don't watch, uh, listeners don't watch Dan Orlovsky break down NFL film on NFL Live, he does a couple great different things on different coverages every day if anybody is interested in watching it. And after watching him break down some of the Chiefs and Bills stuff and talking about how much – the, the Bills were switching, you know, the yeah. one side between zone and man. How often have you seen Texas do that a lot, like in a game be able to do, do that? Uh, it's really complex, not, but it's a way to – It is. In the modern way well, to maybe because, defend it. What does Sark love? Right? He loves those deep, long rainbow crossers, yeah. and he always gets teams because they never switch in their mm-hmm. zones. They always end but up But then like, the other sides, yeah. uh, you might yeah. have a man in motion that's a foolhardy yeah. one because no, no, it, you carry the man to one side. I don't think Texas does it a ton because Texas is playing a lot of – man coverage now mm-hmm. so I don't think Texas does a ton they're also playing a lot more quarters coverage I think that's a Gary Patterson influence thing too yeah. Gary GP loves uh, quarters coverage but that quarters coverage ends up every every zone coverage should deteriorate to a man coverage mm-hmm. yeah. it should just become a matchup zone at one point that's why everybody essentially plays match zones these days um, so for Texas I think that was just kind of a miscommunication I think essentially and I, I could be wrong Anthony Cook was matching all right, he was basically like, no, this is my guy in my mm-hmm. in my zone. He's already declared. And I think Deshaun Jameson was thinking, oh, no, kind of an old-school zone approach where mm-hmm. I'm defending a zone, I'm defending this quarter yep. back here, which still, to me, is strange for him to do that. Because there weren't multiple guys coming through that zone at that yeah, point. Yeah, I, I, it was, but I still, you would think you carry – the yeah. deep you're the in a, you're the deepest one in your zone, which is Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah. So e- if it was man, it was a bust on his part. If it was zone, it was still probably a bust on his. Yeah, part. I think it might have just been an over. <laughs> like, yeah. Either way, it was probably a bust on Deshaun James's part. In all season yeah, long, yeah. all season long, when I've watched Iowa State, I mean, it was all Kansas game. You had Hutchinson. I think it was twelve receptions, ninety-seven yards. He was never being that deep threat guy. It no, was always in the scenario. Game. Exactly. Yeah. So I think whenever maybe you saw that he was running that, I don't think maybe Cook didn't think he Deckers was going to throw it deep just because his tendencies, he never does that all season long and maybe just bit over aggressively being and making a bad decision thinking that would happen because otherwise it's just a brain fart, you know? Yeah, that's pretty bad.
Yeah, it's just a busted coverage. Right it's just a bust because it's so bad. It's hard to decipher <laughs> yeah. what the actual coverage is because it's yeah. just like a, it's totally busted. So yeah. that's just my best determination of what might have happened. Uh, Iowa State Sark pointed this out. I think maybe RG three pointed it out too. In the especially in the first half, they just did a really good job of, of using flood concepps, mm-hmm. riding and beating guys that way with flood concepts. Yep. Did some good stuff with the flood concepts. I think, yeah, exactly. I think mostly because those flood concepts are what? Forcing Texas to read and react mm-hmm. in a zone. And that's tough. And if it's not in the zone, they're playing man, and it works against a man because usually they're going to have some kind of rub route or a switch release involved in those flood concepts yeah. too, which also forces Texas to read and react. And when you look at Deckers' game, you just got to tip the hat to how good oh, he played. Game. These numbers are pretty crazy because not only when he was under pressure did he have a 94.2 NFL passer rating, which is elite for an under pressure oh, yeah. passer rating, but when blitzed, 149.4. When he wasn't blitzed, it was 71.6. And that's him being able to read pre-snap where they, you it know, is. going and seeing where it's coming from and making the right decision every single play. When blitzed, he was 10 of 14 for 162 yards and two TDs. Yeah, that's why you got to give props to uh, Jalen Ford for that pick in, oh, yeah. the, in the end zone because, I mean, he's just reading the quarterback's eyes the whole he way. From yeah. the that was one of the few before. mistakes that Hunter Deckers had in the game where he just doesn't see him. He just doesn't. Yeah. And that, that looked like Hunter Deckers that had played previously in the three Big 12 matchups. Uh, but that was a hell of a play by Jalen Ford. I've criticized his his coverage and his pass defense, but that was one of the best plays I've seen all year long from yeah. any defender. I mean, it was a great play. And Texas had been just beat for a touchdown needed. over yeah. the middle of the field. Yeah, and the exactly. that's what we're just talking about. And then yeah. they, I don't, I, I need, I'd have to go look back and see if Texas sent somebody and then sort of, I mean, that would be good in game adjustments mm, because you I, on the pick, he, they so didn't so. blitz. And that would be one where it's a good in-game adjustment by PK and seeing, oh, wait, no, this guy, he's really doing a good job when we're sending somebody. I, don't, um, I can't find it in my notes. I'll have to look for it. Rod, I lean on you on coverage things, so I'll just ask you this real quick before we move on talk a little Oklahoma State. When you're talking about the flood concepts and, and other concepts like that where you're making the defense read and react, to me that says – whether it's a linebacker, a corner, or a safety, I'm going to put them in conflict. I'm going to force them to make a decision, and if my concept is right, whatever you decide is going to be wrong. Exactly. Now you just hit the nail in the head, and that's and you and you can do that in multiple ways. Linebackers, right? You can do it with pre-snap motion, which they use a lot of, and you do it with the RPOs and mm-hmm. the plays past the mesh manipulation, right? Because they got to they got to they got to freeze. That's your first. Most linebackers going to freeze. Yep. We're like, oh god, mm-hmm. what is he doing to try to decipher what's going on? And then also on top of that, layer that those cheat codes with them also having to read and react to flood concepts or to bunch switch releases and bunch formations. That's a lot. It's a lot to put on a linebacker, and I think that's ultimately what's happening. But, you know, Jalen Ford is obviously killing it as a run defender. I think that's the only thing teams can attack him with. And that's yeah. why, we, <laughs> that's why we, what you just talked about, that's why we spent so much time on this show in the last few years talking about how difficult it is to evaluate point, and recruit bro. that position. Yeah, good when, point. Yep. It's and when you age, can man. find a guy like him, he's yeah. going to be highly sought after real quick by the NFL, that's too, why if he can do both things. Because very few, like you said, very few linebackers can do both things. That's why few. you're seeing so many off-ball linebackers now go in the first round of the draft. Yeah, Jordan when Brooks. You, when you get a good one. You find a good one. you got to take him. Yeah, and it can change your defense. I mean, look, the Cowboys yeah. defense is the best defense potentially in the NFL. they got one of the best off-ball hybrid linebackers in the league. The San Francisco 
49ers are arguably the best defense in the league. They got two hybrid linebackers there. It, it I, I think there is. It's not more than a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, let's talk about Oklahoma State. The big one in this, Matt, I don't know if you've seen the line for this. I saw it. It was between yeah. six and six and a half on some books. Some it's shot up. Up, man. It's flying up. It then. sounds like, man, there's something going on with Spencer Sanders. Matt, you know it more is. about this than I do. Like quarterback health situation, that would make a line shoot up that much as yep. opposed to just all the money coming in on Texas, right? Yes, it definitely would be something. I mean, we saw that with Oklahoma going from. We were talking about that before. Yeah, yeah. Dylan Gabriel. It was like when I saw Oklahoma was favored by nine last week, I was like, oh, yeah, Dylan Gabriel's playing. Like, there's no way in the world they could be favored by nine without him playing. And it was the yep. same scenario. We saw the line movement with Texas and Oklahoma. And even this one, preseason, you had Texas being uh, two-and-a-half-point dogs. And then it was up to four or five really quick when the lines came out mm-hmm. on Sunday. And then, yeah, right now it's up to six overall. Yeah. Rod, I, Matt, and, a half I, Matt and I were points. talking about this. I want to get your take on it. You know, For years with Mike Gundy's offenses, whoever his OC has been, whether it's been Dana Holgerson or Todd Monken or – Mike Yursich, they've surrounded the quarterback with just an absurd amount of skill talent more often than not. But when you look at the way their offense is constructed now, he's never been this quarterback reliant. Agreed. Yeah. And it's it's strange, too, because they always seem to have uh, that, that, that wide receiver or, hell, back in the day it was, like a, it was a really good tight end. And they had running <laughs> they, backs, too. They had running backs, too. But, they had, yeah, they had, they had guys that could win one-on-ones. Like, if the running back was one-on-one yeah. in the open field with your guy, like, oh, no, you don't want to be one-on-one oh, with that Back when guy. it was Kendall Hunter, or, Pettigrew, and Dez. Like, they've oh, ever man, since then, they've yeah. had great. I mean, Justin Blackman. Yep. They, you're right. They do not have that guy. And it is. And some, I'm a big Spencer fan. Sanders fan. I've been talking about Spencer Sanders was going to have a career year this year, and he he looks like he was on on the on his way to having like a career said, year. I said this on Light the Tower. Bad Spencer Sanders is locked in a box over here. Yeah, on the side, and he no ain't doubt. popped out of the box yet. Exactly. But the last two weeks, he's completing less than fifty percent of his passes. Um, that's brought his completion percentage below sixty percent. He's hurt. I, as a Spencer Sanders guy, who's watched every Spencer Sanders game that's come on the last couple of years because I just I really like I really enjoy watching him. I think he's, he's been a, here forever. He and he's like, been here forever. He right? was like the Player of the Year yeah. in Texas in twenty seventeen. Yeah, exactly. High school. And I, I, I admire Mike Gundy too. I, I like watching Mike Gundy because uh, he's he's very experimental. I mean, the actually the first on record uh, that I, the on record example that I can identify for three high three down in the Big Twelve was actually Oklahoma State mm-hmm. and not Iowa State. They called it their cowboy dime. Like in 2011 or something? It, no, it was in 2016. Oh, wow. It's the first time. It's actually, before Heacock did it. So I'm just saying, not, I'm just throwing out that they, they, they're, they're, they're positionless football takes. Like I just watch him to see what the kind of next evolution mm-hmm. he's looking at. Uh, but anyway, um, he's, not, he's not healthy. And I don't know if he's even going to play versus Texas. And if he does play, He's limited. He he tried to throw a deep ball against TCU. Hell, it could have been a game winner because the guy was wide open. Dude, he underthrew it by like 15 yards. You could tell, like, their he offense. He put everything on it. Their offense, and it matches up with their success rate in the first half. They were running him. They were their typical offense. Like, in the second half, I don't know if something happened late first half or whatever. Or that he just, it he again. just got off his feet at halftime, didn't feel right. They were a completely different offense in the second half of that game. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got. Oh yeah, I got a crazy number too that I was looking at about the offense and how. And you got to give. I guess you got to give Joe Gillespie. Is that the defensive coordinator for TCU? For yes. TCU. I guess you got to give him a little credit too. Uh, but you go look at the first. Uh, yeah, go look at the first two drives of that game. I think they're averaging seventy-five yards per possession on the first two drives of the game, and on the last thirteen final thirteen possessions, they averaged eighteen point two yards per possession. They went to Jeez. double overtime. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying like it. They shut them down, 
and I think, like you said, something happened. I, I didn't. I got to go back and watch it closely to see if it was a ding or something. Hit something obviously happened to Spencer Sanders after those first two, three possessions. Matt, there. can you quantify this for me? Just the, the disparity here. So this is according to Bill Connolly. Success rate in the first half: Oklahoma State forty-two percent, TCU forty percent. Success rate in the second half and overtime: TCU forty-nine percent, Oklahoma third, Oklahoma State thirty-nine percent. Yeah, well, that's pretty good swing, like right there. You go straight from being an advantage by uh, only a percentage points, but then you're ten percentage points less after that. Like that's a good swing of about twenty okay. percent right there in production. Yeah. So, Rod, I mean, I'd love to get into the nuances of this game, but I, I think that's kind of what it comes down to: does Spencer Sanders play and how healthy is he? Yeah, I really love their complement of defensive ends. Uh, Matt, you might not have the number, but I believe they're the leader or close to being a leader in havoc rate in the Big 12, and a lot of it is their defensive ends. They have a really good – was it Colin Oliver you're talking about or uh, was it Trace Ford's another one? Tyler Lacey's another one. Man, they got like three of – Brock Martin. They got like four – they got like three or four of them. They just keep rotating them. Really, it'll be a really good test for Texas O-line. Not concerned about it because Kelvin Banks has only allowed like eight pressures in seven games, so – Oh, by the way, yeah. Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy recently said, "Only his, be there for three years." Yes, he said that. Yeah, only, only be there for three years. Also said, "I had to get committed at one point, uh, but Texas took him." Uh, but he said, "Yeah, he's only going to be there for three years because he's that damn good." So I don't think Texas has anything to be concerned about overwhelmingly, but they have a really good complement of defensive ends. Man, they throw at you, so they'll be able to put some pressure on Quinn Ewers potentially. But I think Texas will run the ball to take pressure off of Quinn Ewers, so maybe a stalemate there. Yep, and looking at uh, overall, Okie State, 498 total snaps on defense. And if you look at, I'm tallying them up right now across the board, but it's 16 sacks, uh, 27 hits on quarterback, 83 hurries, and then you have 17 PB or se- 17 defensive plays, being passes defended, four of them picks, 13 PBUs. Mm-hmm. So you're talking right there a really high rate when you only have 400 and 98 snaps. Yeah, yeah they Rod, make a lot of plays. Rod, to your point, uh, K- at, at KSU underscore fan is a really good follow. He oh, yeah, he does. That is good stuff. Metrics. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, like he's that got account. Oklahoma State number one in the Big 12 in Havoc rate, 20.3%. They create a lot. They just, that, that's their, that's the, to me, that is their calling card. They don't, they're not consistent. They get beat. Yeah. They give up chunk yardage play. They're going to give up a chunk. They're going to give up a ton of Texas. I guarantee you that. But they offset that by making forcing negative plays it's almost and making like, enough plays. It's almost like they've gone throwback Big Twelve That's defense. A, totally back agree. to them in yep, twenty eleven. Exactly what they are. <laughs> but now without Spencer Sanders, he's the identity of that offense. Arguably the identity of that team. Yeah, they they're gonna be a wounded identity or without their identity, they can't play that brand of football no. without Spencer Sanders. And Mike Gundy's not happy with their run game. He right yes, that he has talked about how. Disappointed he is in the ring, especially versus TCU. TCU shut down that running game. Mm-hmm. Number on that too, but they shut down that running game too. So yeah, they're eighty third in the country in rushing success rate, staying on con- on schedule, which is not good, especially for a team like him. And if you look at uh, EPA per rush, it's ninetieth in the country for Okie State. By the way, Rod, what we were talking about earlier with the Texas defense, kind of that freedom they've got now that, that the coaches have given them to change things up and be more disruptive. Third in the Big Twelve and have a great. Oh, nice. Making play. No, the, the Texas defense is nothing short of miraculous. The turnaround. Yeah. It really is. 180. We, we should, one day we're going to just do a whole show about it. Like, it, it, it's, and it's historic. I mean, I don't what think we've seen it, anything like it. I'd say what makes it even more impressive than, let's say, the 2016 to 2017 turnaround, you knew Todd Orlando had NFL players in mm-hmm. 17. 
right? Deshaun Elliott had an All-American year. Yep. We knew we knew Puna Ford was really good. Got Charles Amenahu on that defense. Chris Boyd. You got a lot of guys on that defense are still cashing checks and have gotten their second contracts in the NFL. Talk about. I don't know how many NFL players you've got on this defense. Yeah. Not as many as you had in seventeen. No. I well, you know what? I'll take that back because I tell you, NFL scouts. They love these D tackles. They yeah, do. I think Murphy, Coburn, these and tackles. Sweat, and even Ojimo are getting Yeah, be like all of them are getting some love. Now, I'm not, I don't think all of them will be drafted, but right. they're all getting some love. And Coburn and these, Murphy will. I, and and I, Sweat. I, yeah, and I do think, you know, just like, you know, Brit, the PJ Locke story, the Adrian Phillips story, you could get one of those stories in the secondary, too, with a guy like Anthony Cook. Yeah. Yep. Because he's played so many different positions. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? They're pretty then steady. Jalen Ford and even a Deshaun Jameson. Yeah. Josh Thompson's on an active roster. Exactly. He, oh, yeah. Somebody just signed him. Who was that? Uh, he, the Titans signed him off the Jags practice. And it stuff. isn't as yeah. if we were right about it, but we were really high on this D-line going into last year, and there are a lot of the same Everybody players. Everybody was. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, man, hey, we finally like, got an elite group. Kendrick Coburn said, hey, I know I said this last year, <laughs> but we were, we looked really <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, right, right. Hey, you know what? You're right. Give it up, Y'all are year late, but still, you got there. They look good, man. They look really good. Better late than never. No All doubt. right, we'll see how it plays out on Saturday in Stillwater. Matt, thanks for there. Thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on Bald on Life from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also hear myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click the follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.